listening to Blood and Steel, the Guild Night Gaming Podcast, exploring the shadow of the Demon Lord tabletop RPG. Check us out at guildnightgaming.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to Blood and Steel. I'm your host, Justin, and I'm here with my traveling man, Jason. What's up? We've got a special guest again for you tonight. It's the the Demon Lord himself, Mr. Rob Schwab. Hey, guys. Uh, today, we are going to talk about occult philosophy. We're talking about the Kickstarter and nothing but the Kickstarter. So we're really excited. We're about a week away. I think we're going to try to get this episode out so it's very timely for all of you out there. But uh, we want to make sure that everybody who hasn't pledged yet gets that last push in. Um, so that we unlock some of those super sweet stretch goals. Um, but yeah, we're really excited to have you uh, here with us tonight, Rob. Hey, thanks for having me back. It's always good to talk to you guys. Yeah, awesome. So so give us a sense, Rob, where are we at right now with the Kickstarter? Well, we are currently knocking on the door of uh, the Men of Gog uh, stretch goal, uh, which is a $40,000 thing. So we're I think last time I checked, we're... Like just shy of uh, thirty-seven, thirty-five hundred dollars, somewhere in there. And the Men of God uh, stretch goal uh, is all about kind of setting the stage for the Return of the Witch King campaign. Uh, it reveals uh, the dirty secrets about the invaders who conquered rule in ages, uh, ages past. Uh, gives all the juicy details about those folks. Plus, it also gives you the ability to play. Uh, a man or woman of Gog, uh, new paths and new relics and new all sorts of good stuff there if you want to turn your campaign to super dark. But it also does, awesome. uh, it also, so, I mean, I can imagine that you're playing some degenerate bastard living in the desolation and uh, you hear the call and your group forms and now you get to go on a murder kill spree through the Northern Reach as you are trying to support the Witch King in his bid to reconquer the lands. But it that also gives crazy. Doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds awesome. <laughs> but it also sets up the state. It also gives a game master a new threat uh, for the Demon Lord campaign. So that if you want to do something that doesn't necessarily involve uh, the apocalyptic ending, this could be something that gives you an almost more traditional fantasy tabletop experience, albeit with a super dark and terrible person as your as your villain. That's so. So uh, let me let me say something real quick, Rob. I noticed that when you first kicked off this uh, Kickstarter, kicked off the Kickstarter. Um, it, let's see, this was November twelfth is when you did it, and I think you were fully funded in what a day and a half? Uh, Twelve and a half hours. Twelve and a half hours, you were fully funded. Jason and I were coming back from a catacon actually, and he was like giving me updates from from the backseat of the car. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty good. He's like, "Wow, they're already here. They're already here." And you know, like we didn't have time to actually get on and and pledge um, ourselves until later, just because you know, obviously we're driving. But oh, right. uh, you know, it was it was pretty awesome to see how quickly it went. Yeah, it was really exciting. Um, you know, it's it's really gratifying to have a lot of support out there from fans of the game and people who believe in what I'm trying to trying to do as a game publisher. Uh, very terrifying kickstarters are, are difficult i think for anybody who runs them because it is both an opportunity to further your publication line but it also is kind of a, a weirdly a validation meter 
that tells folk that tells yourself that it's like, well, if I do this much, then I'm this much of a person. So, <laughs> So how are you feeling right now then? <laughs> uh, I'm, you know, I, I'm gonna just gonna say uh, reply hazy. Check back later. <laughs> awesome. Um, so with with that, you know, how quickly it funded? Can you give us a sense of like um, how this compares to the first Kickstarter you ran? Uh, well, the first Kickstarter uh, I ran funded in I think it was about six hours. Okay. Uh, we asked for a ten thousand more. But then uh, that Kickstarter uh, went far above and beyond what this one did. But I think it was largely because it was a brand new role playing game, and it has uh, mass appeal to uh, to a gen- to a broader audience. This is going to be, you know, my 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 expectations for this Kickstarter were always moderate, uh, largely because of the fact that uh, it is going to be appealing to a subset. Demon Lord's also four, almost four years old. And, uh, you know, so it, it's got its diehard uh, followers. Um, and we're trying, my goal right now is to try to branch this game out and attract new folks to uh, to jump in and have a good time. Yeah, this, this, uh, looking at this Kickstarter, you can, even if you didn't know what it was in your browse to it, you could definitely tell this is for, this is for fans. This is for the people who have been in this for a while who are invested in it. Uh, let's, right. let's get some more content in in there we have some questions for you about that like how would you know how would veteran players use this versus new players and that kind of stuff we'll get that into a little bit but i just want to step back one just quickly what you were talking about you know how this the the gog stuff is going to introduce a new threat to kind of the setting and i think that's in my feelings that's always been one of the strong points of shadow the demon lord is there's a very imminent threat on the horizon you know the the barrier between the void and the current realm is cracking and you've got to do something about it or it's basically just going to burst apart and you know we'll all be consumed uh so that's really exciting for me to hear hey a, a new threat new content you know we could spawn new uh campaigns and adventures off of so that's really cool i think yeah and that was that was kind of my big thrust with this one was to make sure that uh, we keep the the game alive. I mean, granted, if you tapped into all ten of the Demon Lord shadows that were explored in the core book, that's still forty four. Well, that's 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 still ten campaigns. It's so, a lot of stuff. Yeah, right. That's a lot of that's a that's a ton of that's a ton of adventures. So, uh, yeah, this this gives you a different way to play. I think. Um, I think this is going to be that. Rather than focusing in on how the demon lords influence reshapes the world, this is going to be a more immediate threat. Where how can you blow up your world, country, or, or you know, realm by realm? And what are the what are the implications of a ancient uh, malevolent force kind of returning uh, to the setting? And then also how what secrets do we get to do I get to reveal? Uh, uh, from this character, right? I mean, this is this is a player who's played a huge part in the development of the world. Uh, we're gonna um, we're gonna reveal all the secrets, I think, with the Men of Gog thing, and also with the uh, Return of the Witch King as well. If we hit there, so let me ask you this: We're talking about setting. We're talking about Men of Gog. Um, is, is that really primarily rooted in your stretch goals, or is that kind of the the theme of the occult philosophy book as well? So the Cult Philosophy book is designed, I mean, it's not designed to combat the Witch King per se. Okay. But 
I imagine that the Witch King is going to be armed with a lot of the nasty spells that will live in that book. Uh, and so we will see a lot of the really, really terrifying things that that the Cult Philosophy offers kind of broadcast into the game sessions in a way similar to how the Demon Lord Shadow kind of alters the world. This gives the ability for a big, scary bad guy to be able to do the same thing, but on a smaller scale. Um, so, but I, I think that the the other part of this is is that the the occult, occult philosophy still plugs into the core game without having to even think about the, the Ashrakal or the Men of Gog. Uh, the book is going to be universal to whatever kind of uh, campaign you want to play for Demon Lord. So, so walk us through a little bit, you know, and and, and I know we've got the the Kickstarter. You can get a lot of uh, information on there. But like, give us a, a quick rundown of like everything that's in the occult philosophy book. I mean, it's got new traditions, it's got new paths. Like, right. So, uh, yeah, what we did with the with the, the occult philosophy book, or what I rather did, uh, was create uh, expand on the traditions I've already produced for the game, which there were thirty nine before I started. I added a fortieth, which was the madness tradition. Uh, every tradition gets. Uh, Think two new rank zero spells, three new rank one, or rather two two of each rank all the way up to ten. Oh, nice. Well, not all the way up to ten. It goes up to six, and then we have one, seven, eight, nine, and ten. But the point is, is that you get eight hundred spells, uh, and how you cast the really, really top end cool stuff is you do that either through incantations, you unlock them from relics, or your characters just avail themselves of the Paragon uh, uh, legendary path which first debuted in Forbidden Rules and gets a little bit of revision in Occult Philosophy. Uh, this book also includes a bunch of monsters that you can generate or create by way of the spells that are introduced in this book. And it gives like something like, um, well, I don't know how many paths are going to be in the final book because you have to start laying it out. But as of right now, I let me just quickly check what the word count is in this bad boy. Paths ended up being at uh, 33,000 words. So that <laughs> that gives you a good idea. It's 38 pages of content for master paths and expert paths. Uh, there's a ton of stuff in there that pretty much covers it all. Most of the expert paths involve uh, merging together uh, existing paths and then showing how those combinations can do cool stuff. For example, there is a preserver path which uh, marries uh, death and life into a path with interesting results. Uh, then there is the uh, Farseer which taps into divination and madness. And you know, there are other Walker, combinations. Right? right. The Edgewalker, which we revealed in the updates. Yep. Uh, the Demon Binder, I think we may have revealed as well. Uh, there's a ton of stuff there. The Master Paths are going to give you really uh, alternative capstone uh, paths for your uh, traditions. We have like the Alienist and the Annihilator and the Anointed and the Ardent and the Bone Collector and the Beast. There are uh, tons and tons of those. So it really kind of uh, explodes your character options for the game in a way that we haven't done, even with uh, the Demon Lord Companions. This this goes far above and beyond anything I've done so far. 
Yeah, I think this is awesome because when I'm rolling casters, I'm always looking at multiple traditions to see how can how can this tradition beef this one up a little bit to kind of give me just a little bit more edge. And this right. combining them right here is giving you a mechanic to do that, which I think is just going to be a lot of fun. To, I mean, like rubbing my hands together. I'm so excited to get these things going. Yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty neat to see that how these uh, expert paths act as carrots, but they, I think they stand just fine alongside the more general, uh, the general expert paths like the wizard and the sorcerer to give plenty of uh, things to do if you, if you go a different route. But I try to find a way that where there are some path, some, some traditions kind of marry together that naturally and then other ones are really at odds to kind of shake up things and, and, and help people see the game in a different way. So you just, you just mentioned, you know, you think they stand well next to the, the existing, like, how did you play test all of this stuff? Um, Moses goes through the, uh, my, uh, secret gaming, uh, play test group called Carlos danger, which has been <laughs> around since the very beginning. Uh, and usually just have a bunch of readers that go through this stuff. Uh, I'm pretty savvy with how, uh, Path creation works by this point. We've seen enough that I've made some adjustments to the core book, and I've also run into a few dead ends. Uh, we're going to run through a playtesting cycle through uh, with the pads before we go to publication, before we start really going deep into print or uh, rather production. Uh, so that's, that'll start up once the Kickstarter uh, campaign closes. Uh, we have a better idea about what, how many pads we can include in the book. So we've had the initial the initial approval from uh, Carlos Danger, and we'll we will uh, have a wider audience take a look at this uh, the stuff nice. as we go on. Cool. I swear I've heard that name, Carlos Danger, before. I so couldn't I, imagine from where. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm I'm trying to figure that out. It was Anthony Weiner's. Uh, That's right. right. That is right. I knew it. It's the coolest, coolest name ever, Carlos Danger. <laughs> Carlos Danger. Uh, so uh, one of my guilty pleasures, by the way, is Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's best watched on the Lifetime Network. Um, but uh, the other day, <laughs> the other day I was uh, I was watching as I was uh, doing some chores around the house and. Um, one of the terrible reenactments showed that this guy he went into he went on the lamb and his alias was Steve Starbucks. Oh wow, that's a good <laughs> one too. Yeah, I was like, well, now I've got the new one, Steve Starbucks. <laughs> Hi, I'm Carlos Danger. This is my buddy Steve Starbucks. We're here to tell you about encyclopedias. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> So good. So um, one thing I want to I want to touch on really quickly, and I and you really piqued my interest was you said, okay, how are these guys going to be casting these higher level spells, like you know, level ten, especially if they're like a level six, seven, eight uh, character or whatever? They can do incantations, which we all know about, you know, taking banes for every level higher, that type of thing. Um, but one thing you said is that uh, they can avail themselves of the Paragon rules, which is you know your level ten plus character. And you're revamping those rules a little bit in this occult philosophy. Right. So what I basically did was I took the the structure for the Paragon uh, path for legendary characters uh, from Forbidden Rules, and I reassessed every element that you could choose from uh, and kind of tightened, tightened it up a bit. Uh, the, the idea here was 
you know, when I was first uh, schlepping Demon Lord as kind of a concept, it was to tell the audience that you can play a full campaign in 11 sessions, which is 33 to 44 hours of gameplay. Yeah. So expanding beyond level 10 was always something I intended to do, but as we've gotten deeper and deeper into the game and I've added more and more content, the appeal of just piling on 10 more levels of gameplay, it's, it, it's kind of, it, it's withered a bit. Uh, I think that with the Paragon rules, uh, the Paragon path thing, which sounds like a fourth edition term, which I know it does, but uh, the Paragon legendary path, uh, what that does is allows you to continue to play as if you were master characters because you have a modest gain in your talents from advancing your group level advancing. So what that does means, what that means is that you can, but if your group level is like 13 or 14, you're still more or less playing like you were when you were level 10. You're just badasses and you can take on more stuff. And I trust game masters to be able to up the dial in order to match uh, the, the power level of characters at that tier. Uh, we will probably do a Poison Pages release after the Kickstarter's closed uh, that's designed for Game Masters to kind of build threats and challenges for characters uh, who belong to groups of level 11 plus. I imagine that will certainly be on the horizon very soon. That sounds awesome because um, uh, our group is getting, what are we at right now, Jason, level seven? Level seven, yes. Level seven. So we're going to be getting to level 10 here in the next couple sessions. And I was planning to start with, you know, a different set of characters at level one. But I always wanted to keep these level 10 characters around for, you know, um, some one-off adventures or continue the story and almost do a mini uh, West Marches campaign with, you know, a couple different groups um, of characters. Awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, so having, having that poison pages, which says, okay, well, you know, how do I up the the threat level to that uh, group sounds awesome. Sounds well, amazing. The one thing I would tell you, though, is that I think that largely for at least the, the first five levels as you climb up beyond, I think you're still going to be fine if you kind of treat them as the tough end of the master path tier of gameplay. I think you'll be all right. You know, just, just ramp it up just a hair, and you'll probably be able to keep pace. Sure. I mean, some, of things, some of those options are are fairly strong, but I think that uh, that's okay. Uh, yeah, some you, of those thousand point monsters are, are kind of beasts. They are beasts, right? And if you have two of them, then you know uh, that's that's pretty terrifying. But if you have like one thousand point uh, difficulty creature and a couple of two fifties, that's going to make things very interesting for a for a group at level thirteen or fourteen. Um, you, you know, one of the original ideas I had for the high stuff. And I know uh, some of my uh, most ardent supporters have, have have been pestering about this for a while. Was that when your character, when your group level hits eleven, uh, you each character becomes a patron for one of the characters for the next group. And that was something that I've been still toying with, and I'd love to actually explore, depending on the amount of demand that's out there for it. But the idea was that if you, let's say, for example, you play, you end up being a spellcaster by the time you wrap up your your story at level 10, uh, you might take on an apprentice, and the nature of your traditions and your path choices will give your apprentice certain benefits. Similarly, if you play a badass warrior-type character, you might become a general of an army, which is something that could also be true for a spellcaster as well. I don't want to 
uh, exclude. Uh, but um, the idea is that you would be able to play characters that were directly plugged into the characters who came before. And that may be something we do down the road too. That sounds great. I will say, however, that my story ended at level seven, deep in the dark clutches of a, <laughs> of a uh, haunted house. But oh, yeah. uh, we won't talk about that. I've lost my, lost my necromancer slash turned good. Uh, yeah, that was a fun story, but I'm bringing that up because the the kicks the stretch goal that has been unlocked was one I was really looking forward to before my guy died last session, but I'm still looking forward to it, and that is the Kingdom of Lost Souls stuff. Oh uh, yeah, that's, I'm really excited to, to start that one. It's going to be I, really cool. I tell you, I have the first whole part of my character was for the first, gosh, what was it five levels, six levles? Five levels yeah. was uh, a priest of the Dark Lady. Oh yeah! And so I was scouring the core rulebook and all the information I could find on her, and there really wasn't a lot of information about that. And yeah, so I, kept her, I kept her vague on purpose. Uh, I'd always thought I would revisit her in a more official way. So I'm, I'm I kind of wanted to leave it to the players and the game masters to kind of figure out how that was going to work at their tables, but then surprise them with the big juicy reveal. So I won't I won't ask you to reveal since it's already unlocked. I'm not going to ask you to reveal any of it because it'll be. I'm looking forward to when it comes out. But how like how what kind of how big is that supplement? Is there a lot of material in there about her? Uh, I land? have actually uh, I haven't started working on it yet. Uh, I'm working on the first adventure, of the tales okay. of dark magic. Right. But I have some. Uh, I have an outline for this book. I expect it's going to be one of the bigger releases for the Lands and Shadows series. So I think it'll be. Uh, nice and juicy. If awesome. anybody checked out Nessus, the City of Decay, it'll be along those lines. Okay, Maybe. cool. Yeah, Jason ended up um, uh, abandoning the Dark Lady for Father Death, and um, uh, that that may or may not have contributed to his death. I don't. I don't think it mattered. I <laughs> I had so much corruption, and then you, I remember one time you were like, when I when I when I switched over to Father Death, and then. And then we died. I died. And I was like, well, I, that was a good story for Rasmin, but I guess he's going straight to hell. And you're like, no, you switched to Father Death. You got rid of all your corruption. It's like, no, I got rid of a lot of my corruption, but I still had a lot left over. <laughs> yeah, it was oh, a good time. That's good. <laughs> so sticking with, sticking with some of these stretch goals, and we, we wanted to talk about them. Uh, Tales of Dark Magic, three grim adventures focused on different practitioners of dark magic. Uh, can you give us a, can you open the kimono a little bit and give us a sneak <laughs> Sure. <here? laughs> uh, I will show you my small shoes. Uh, <clears throat> uh, the first adventure is called, um, oh, what the hell is it called? I started, I, I'm almost done with it. Uh, it is called The Call of the Necromancer. Yeah. Uh, and in this adventure, it is a love story uh, about a wizard who is aging and has fallen for a young woman in his village and the steps he will go to, to win her hand in marriage. And uh, you might imagine that would involve some scary things. Uh, one of those things would be the plundering of a fairy vault and the shenanigans that ensue from that. This already sounds like a Rogers and Hammerstein story. It does. There'll be a lot of singing. Um, <laughs> The second adventure is going to be focused on the demonology tradition, and I'm already starting to think about how what shape that will take. We we haven't done a whole lot of just straight dungeon delvey crawl type things, 
And I think it'd be kind of neat to have one that is really steeped in demon fun in the Diablo vein. So I that think that would be a blast. Yeah, I think we're gonna do something that we're gonna do that. We'll probably also just for just for grins, we'll probably add another table of demonic talents to make demons even weirder. Uh, and then the third one is about forbidden magic, and mum's a word on that one for now. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny because just the other day I started um, one of the old dungeon crawl uh, uh, adventures from Tales of the Yawning Portal that they yeah. came out with in, you know, in 5e. And I started that with my kids because um, that's about their speed. It's just a classic dungeon crawl. Sure. And, uh, you know, they were having a great time with it. And I just kept thinking, like, you know, I just haven't done a, a solid dungeon crawl in Shadow of the Demon Lord. And I think that that would be a ton of fun. You know, one that uh, we took and turned into kind of a dungeon crawl uh, that I thought was really good was uh, a knife in your hand. Um, oh, yeah. By itself, um, it's you know it's not really a full thing. You kind of have to put some material around it. But the fact that you can kind of dungeon crawl through the belly of a dead dragon was yep. uh, a pretty good setting for Shadow of the Demon Lord in my mind. I imagine there's probably all sorts of interesting places you'll discover when you're digging through the, the yep. belly of beast like that. Sure. Good. Uh, so some of the stretch goals that are not quite unlocked yet. You talked about the men of Gog. We already we already hit on that a little bit. Um, the Vault of the Demon Lord looks pretty awesome, and I and I know that there's been kind of a big clamor for something like this. I think, I mean, you're on the Discord chat, and I think every now and then you see like, is there a book that has a ton of relics or objects that we can do? I mean, that seems to be a question that comes up pretty often. Yeah, I'm really hope I'm really hopeful that we we break that one open uh, because I've got a bunch of great ideas. I've got a a number of doc files that just have various relics that I've started to design or I've completely designed and just couldn't fit into other products. So I'd like to actually collect this into one really big beefy reward book, and that's kind of where we want to go with this. Is that it just gives a nice resource for game masters to not only reward player characters for doing crazy stuff with new enchanted objects, but uh, to also give some interesting carrots to lure them into more dangerous places than uh, the characters would normally go. Um, so I think that you will have a combination of things that'll be designed for player characters, but also things that can uh, amplify the, the nasty for, for villain kept characters. And to be honest with you, I mean, as much as I really want to this one and i I'm, I'm sure we will uh even if we don't i imagine this will probably come out anyway that gives me hope for some of the later one uh some of the higher uh stretch goals too by the way <laughs> so that, that they may unlock too um but i, I did want to say that you know some of my favorite relics that um are out there in, just in general in role-playing games are the ones that like give you great benefit at a terrible price right you know, right. like those are the best. Uh, yeah. In fact, I, uh, Jason had one. Yeah, especially when I, you don't tell the players what it is until after they've used it. <laughs> Jason, of course. Jason, More Jason corruption. In, that's right. Jason inherited this sword that every time he killed something, it gave him corruption with it. Oh, nice. And, um, and then once he realized what was happening, it started becoming sentient a little bit. And um, he couldn't drop it without a giant will check. Like it's becoming part of him. So couldn't get rid of it. Yeah, he couldn't get rid of it. It just kept giving it feeding him corruption. 
Well, the best habits are the ones you don't want to get rid of, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Straight to hell. <laughs> so one one of the one of the stretch goals that we have in here is at the sixty thousand dollar level. It's the occult philosophy offset printing. Um, I was looking at that, and basically, what if if I understand it correctly, what we could do is get a signed copy of the book. Uh, right. So you can uh, if. If we get to that the sixty thousand dollar mark, what happens is I go to uh, traditional printing for uh, a call philosophy, which means that the OP goes into retail as a single standalone book, and then if you back at a certain level, uh, which is going to be the Shadow Master level, which has not been revealed yet, uh, that that means that you get a, a signed copy of the book. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Nice. So, yeah, otherwise, if it's going to be with the way we are right now, which is going to be uh, uh, printed demand, you've still got a great copy of the book, but uh, I'm not going to be at the, the printer to sign them. They'll ship them out directly from there. Um, I'm going to need you to purchase that ticket, ticket to China and just be there right. You know when, it, when they come off the line and just start signing. Right. I'll, I'll get right there. <laughs> um, okay. So the, the last, the last stretch goal that I really want to talk about is at the 70, I mean, look, I'm going to be honest. The demon Lord's companion three sounds really good at the $80,000 or $80,000 level, but that's not the one that I'm really in love with. The one I'm really in love with is at the $70,000 level, which is the return of the witch King. Yeah, I kind of I I'm 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 a little I'm, I've got some remorse about the fact that this didn't live move up earlier in the stretch goals, uh, but it's going to be more expensive because you know where Queen of Gold was as close to thirty two pages we can make it. Uh, I kind of imagine this one's going to be. I know it says thirty two page campaign, but I imagine this one's going to be even longer just because of the scope of what I want to do with this one. Um, you know, something like a character like Ashrakal, who has really been such a huge part of the development of the setting and plugs into so many different creatures like troglodytes, for example. Uh, and then even some of the earliest stuff like the uh, backer exclusive from the first uh, Kickstarter campaign in Need of Killing. Um, he's just a really mighty, important, nasty bastard. And have him come back and really have a hand in reshaping the setting, I think would be a lot of fun. So anyway, uh, the, the idea with this one would be that there, this, this whole concept of the return of the Witch King was something I, I discussed, uh, I guess it was two years ago. And I thought I would do a set of four campaigns uh, that run from zero to 11. And then each one would be tied to a different part of the world. So I'm distilling that that essential idea down into this final one, which would be the return of the Witch King, which would allow us to kind of tell the story of that character's return and give the opportunity for player characters to to block it or at least slow it. And it would be a very, very coherent storyline. So there would be not a lot of game master guessing. It's going to be all, every adventure plugs into the, the overarching plot. I sure hope that if we don't mm -hmm. unlock this, that you still are committed to putting something like this out. <laughs> you never know. You never know. I know. I know. I know you can't say anything about it right now because, of course, everybody's going to jump on at the last minute and unlock the stretch goal, and then we won't have to worry about anything. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I've, I've got my fingers crossed that everybody comes through on this one. You know, and it's it's not uh, that that's not unrealistic when it comes to Kickstarters. I just finished, uh, or I just jumped on the uh, Deep Madness board game, second printing. Oh, yeah. uh, 
And uh, it, let's see, it had less than a week left and it was at like 600,000. And by the time it ended, it had jumped up to 800,000. So it had jumped, it had jumped 20, you know, over 20% of its whole full funding in like the last few days. Yeah, that's great. People just like to hang on to the last minute and think, oh my gosh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Okay, I'm doing it. Well, let's hope, let's hope that our, our, the, the, the loyal devotees of Demon Lord show up in the last seven days. That's right. Come on through, acolytes. Because there are more stretch goals than the 80,000 mark, but you know, yeah, I'm not revealing them yet. Ah, uh, got it. I, I will say this too. The only reason I didn't do $200 on this, on the uh, pledge, I did the $50 level. The only reason I didn't do the $200 is because I feel like I've got every other supplement that's in there already. You, you, you probably yeah. do. And that, that, <laughs> that whole $200 pledge level was designed for people who are just getting in. Yeah, which is which is awesome. So actually, really quickly, I want to I want to ask about delivery because I've I've seen you say this a couple of times on a podcast. I guess I've heard you say it. I don't I didn't really see you say it, but I've heard you say it on a podcast and seen you type it. Um, delivery is supposed to be in November of next year, but you keep saying it should be much sooner than that. Right. So the the, the here's what's involved from when the Kickstarter closes. The first thing I got to do is I've got to shell out like nine grand on art for the book. Uh, the second thing I got to do is about the same number of dollars to go for editing. Okay. And then there is another chunk of cash, which is almost all of it at this point, uh, going to layout. Uh, layout for a, depending on, we're, I think we promised a 192 page book. It probably will be 224, somewhere in there. Uh, so the, the idea is that we're editing on this book should take two months. Uh, art assets, because I'll split it up between six or seven artists, will take two months. And then that means that we could have this as early as middle next year. I gave myself the November 2019 deadline to give myself a little padding. Yeah. yeah. I, have That's to be, smart. Uh, I have to go to rehab or something. <laughs> <laughs> Or if the hobo comes around, right? Right, because the hobo is always there, always there. <laughs> so, uh, so the que the question that I had is this: uh, Let's say you you know you got your art done, you got your editing done, you get the layout done, so you have it all on PDF ready to go. It's about to go out for print. Um, are you going to release the PDF before the print, or are you going to do it at the same time? Like, what's the what's the plan there? The PDF will go up at least two weeks before the print option is available. Okay. Uh, and then what will happen is for backers, they will get a coupon that allows them to purchase the print option they most want. So if they want standard heavyweight, they can get it. They can get it. If they want premium heavyweight, they can get it. If they want hardback or, or softback, they'll, they'll also have those options as well. So we're going to make sure all four of those options are available. That's cool. Uh, for backers. That's really cool. And, and basically that coupon gives you basically the base cost of the of the print and then if you want the premium paper it would just be add-on cost after that right, right. it's just you're gonna you're paying for paper print ink and glue and yeah. bind that's it i get nothing on that on that back end thing so if you want in print you can avail yourself of the coupon if you don't give a shit and you want all the stretch goals don't bother buying the book in, in print it's just really easy on the backers gives you guys a lot of flexibility as far as what you're what you mm -hmm. want to receive so what about um, like some of the adventures that you have going on? Is that going to come out before the occult philosophy or afterwards? Or 
Um, Do you have a priority set kind of, you know, as things? Yeah, so what I'm looking at right now is that uh, we'll start the editing process in Call Philosophy. I'm planning on handing it over to Ken Mohan on uh, January 1, uh, or 2, rather. uh, That'll give me the holidays to recoup. Um, I was going to say, that's a heck of an assignment, January 1. I don't care if you're hungover. Read this. Read this. Start work. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, Ken will probably get chunks of the book starting around then. Uh, our assignments will go out in that point as well. Uh, I expect that because like the adventures for, uh, especially for the first stretch goal, they're all going to be between six and 8,000 words. And as I start zooming in on those, they'll come out probably faster than cult philosophy. So I imagine backers will get the sooner than rather than later. It's going to be like Christmas throughout the year, Jason. (laughs) Let's hope. Let's hope. (laughs) yeah that'd be awesome really 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 cool um all right so our next big topic for you real quick and this will probably close this out but what's life going to be like after the kickstarter for shadow of the demon lord uh for shadow of the demon lord there are a number of products that i'm projects that i still have in works uh i think there are going to be at least a handful of uh lands and shadows still left to do i want to finish out the nine cities i want to do the march lands i want to do the patchwork kingdoms uh so those will probably all happen uh, i expect that we'll probably turn monstrous pages into a new monstrous pages will continue but rather than revisiting classics from the core book i think we're going to start carving out new territory um so we'll have new monsters and new threats uh the legacy of the demon lord line which is all about hidden corners i expect we'll continue to do that uh, as inspiration strikes me and then what was the other one um and then you never know uh we might start we might work out a way to do some of the higher end stretch goals that i had anticipated doing like the uh modern plug-in of the game which i think it was going to unlock at 90 or 100,000. Um, and then the science fiction uh, plug-in may also happen as well. But then again, I might just shift focus and start working on other new games. That that also, while keeping Demon Lord alive, uh, kind of focus on punk apocalyptic and uh, mm-hmm. free companies of, not, of Four Towers and Abaddon, the Angel of the Void, which are all things I plan on releasing in the next two years. Cool. It's good to it's good to hear that there's a bunch of bunch of content from from the demon Lord coming forth, you know, it may not be straight shadow of the demon Lord, but just having content coming from, you know, out of the experience that you've had over the last, you know, four plus years, uh, running shadow. It's, I think it's just a sign of good stuff to come for this, uh, for this gaming community. Thanks, man. I'm, 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 I'm pretty, pretty proud of what we've been able to do. And I'm really excited about the number of people who have, who have found demon Lord and have kind of made it their personal game. And I, that's that's the best reward of all well we've we've it's been great for us man i tell you it's i don't know if i could go back to some of the other game systems that i played after playing this one just with how how easy it is to transition from narrative to to combat and back and forth and just how fast it is having the good experiences that i've had around the table with random people it just it's a testament to that the mechanics work and they work well in this setting and i'd love to play them in other settings as well well, that's the goal. I want to make sure that uh, we keep the core of the engine as easy as possible uh, and and deliver the same play experience regardless of what world we're playing in. 
Great. So I was I was playing I was running uh, like I told you before this dungeon crawler with my my kids the other day, and we get into combat and I was like, all right, who's going? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and my daughter who that how it works exactly she's actually been playing a D and D group at school after school every every week, and uh, she goes, uh, aren't we supposed to roll for initiative, Daddy? And I'm going, uh, let's just just tell me what you want to do. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> well, hopefully, free companies will will allow you to uh, to make it even easier when that awesome. when that bad boy comes out. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Be, I would love to play Shadow of the Demon Lord with my kids, but you know, I think Five uh, E is a little bit more their speed right now. For sure, right. And that's one of the things that I keep running up against is that people adore the system and are reluctant to expose the full horror of that game. So that's why uh, this year, I'm, or rather 2019, I'm really making an effort to, to get more of a family-friendly game out there. Yeah, do it, because you got something with this mechanic. So get it out there. That'll be good for everyone. Yeah, I think so, too. Awesome. Well, um, we've, we've gone on for a while here. Uh, do you, Rob, do you have any parting words for our listeners? Uh, hail the Demon Lord, guys. Uh, and thank you all for supporting. And if you haven't yet supported... Uh, please look at it, and uh, and even if you can't support, spread the word. We've got seven days left as of this recording. Uh, I think we can do. We we've got plenty of money. We've still got plenty of gas in the tank. Let's make something awesome. All right, sounds great. Thank you so much for joining us, Rob. Uh, we really always have a good time with you on here. For sure. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm.